What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 186 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening. The regular season is in the books. The Atlanta Braves are NLE's champions, which we already knew, but they finished up the season uh, with 97 wins. And uh, on this podcast, we look a little bit backwards to look ahead. And uh, joining me for the first time in a while, we're going three-man weave on today's podcast. Myself, Scott Coleman is here, and Eric Cole is here, the gang is back together. Hi, guys. What's up, Brad? What's going on, buddy? Uh, we're here. It's time to talk about some uh, playoff baseball, which excites everyone, I know. Um, and now we know for a fact it's going to be the St. the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, there was a little bit of tension. I tweeted about it a little bit earlier about the fact that we were not going to be able to record tonight if the Cardinals and Brewers tie because they'd be playing on Monday. But that did not happen uh, in a hurry, by the way. The Cardinals put the pillar to the metal early and made it easy on us to prepare for this podcast, which I really appreciated. Um, so, I mean, before we get into the actual playoff stuff of it all, anything that you found noteworthy from just the end of the season, there was some, uh, some takes being fired. I thought that they were pretty interesting about how, you know, the Braves struggled down the stretch. Um, I don't really care about that. In fact, I saw this uh, tidbit. I can't remember who said this, and I went back and looked it up. It's definitely the case. Uh, the 95 Braves, the only team in franchise history, well, at least in Atlanta history, to win the World Series, got swept by the Mets in New York in the last series of the regular season, and they lost on a walk-off in the 11th inning in that same game. That's not a joke. That happened. It's destiny. Yeah. So well, it, uh, it really is pretty crazy. Like the parallels now, who knows? Obviously that those things are all just for fun, but it is, I saw that too. It's pretty cool. 24 years ago. Um, I was a much younger man as we all were. Uh, wait, Scott, were you alive? I was alive. I was born <laughs> in 91. I was, I was like, uh, <laughs> I like vaguely remember because my dad's a Braves fan. So I vaguely remember him like telling me we were listening on the radio, which is, uh, you know, very 95. Uh, but we were listening on the radio in our backyard. I remember him telling me the Braves won the World Series, one of my first, uh, one of my first memories. Pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, that parallel was too funny not to bring up. Uh, it doesn't really mean anything, but it was uh, – it hit me right in the right places, so I wanted to pass it along. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, anything that you wanted to – I mean, we'll definitely talk about Acuna's injury stuff that happened earlier this week, Freeman's – Injury, Dansby getting hot a little bit this week, which is a helpful thing. Anything just like big picture, though, that you guys wanted to touch on before we move on to the future-facing part of this podcast? Because obviously we've done some reflection in the last couple of podcasts when it became clear that the division was going to be wrapped up about how fun the season's been. Um, that None of that changes. They won 97 games. They were not supposed to win 97 games, so they played, they played great. It was a fun season. That's kind of all I have looking back at this point in time, but please, the floor is yours if you have anything to add. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, I mean, I... I don't care. I mean, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, sure, you, you ideally would like to win the final six or seven games, whatever it was after they clinched. And um, But I think uh, just doing rough math, I think between Acuna, uh, Freeman, and Donaldson, which are pretty clearly the three best players on the, on the lineup, um, I, I just counted, I think, a total of like 28 plate appearances the entire week between those three. Um, of course, Freddie didn't play in Kansas City. Barely played on Sunday. Donaldson was out Sunday. Acuna didn't play the entire week. So, I mean, sure, uh, of course, you'd like to win seven in a row heading into the playoffs, firing on on all cylinders. But ultimately, this was a week, as everyone knew, to kind of get right, get healthy. Um, it seems like Acuna would have played if he could have. Donaldson sat out Sunday with uh, with his with a wealth, I guess, on his uh, on his rib cage after getting hit on Saturday night. So, uh, not the best as far as results, but ultimately. Everybody escaped fairly healthy other than Acuna. 
Um, and now you just have to go into it and, and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree. I mean, first of all, I want to say that I really desperately wanted a tie in the Central so that there was, like, you know, like having to play this tiebreaker game, then go into the wild card game, and there's, like, you know, mass chaos going into the series, but, you know, things ended up happening the way they should have. The the narrative of the Braves, like, limping into the playoffs, at least if that's the case, then people need to talk to me a little bit more about what the Cardinals have done this past week, too, because it's not like they were tearing the cover off the ball when they absolutely had to. I mean, they were they went one and four in their last five games. So I just don't think that people were fundamentally, like, understanding that, yes, the Braves didn't look particularly awesome, but they also, without their mo- their best hitters for most of the week, uh, as Scott said, like, only 28 play appearances between the three of them, it seems like Acuna would be have been healthy enough to play, and now you have him completely rested. You have Freddie getting a ton of rest, even though he was dealing with the elbow thing, and you didn't have to play Donaldson today. You get three days off, and now a team that really needed to give some guys some rest, you know, and again, Freddie and Acuna should have probably been getting rest throughout like the last month of the season, but they weren't. And you know, this goes for Ozzy too. Now they've gotten some rest this past week. Now Ozzy gets three days off. And you go into the playoffs lining up your rotation exactly the way you want to, and all of your big bats and all the guys that you're going to have to count on in this playoff series seemingly well-rested. Maybe they're not completely healthy, but this is as good as you're going to get this time of year, and the Cardinals are having to deal with the same thing. So, again, I, I just didn't. T- I went into this week not caring at all about this last week of the games. I imagine the players probably felt very similarly in that, you know, they, they weren't as emotionally invested, as locked in as they normally would be, and... That's just the way it goes whenever you clinch. This is what you want to happen is getting your guys some rest and just trying your best to stay healthy. Unfortunately, the Braves kind of struggled with that a little bit, but it was kind of through no fault of their own. It's, you know, this the results this week, I just they don't concern me, if for no other reason that the Cardinals were doing the same thing, and it shouldn't be an excuse going into the series. Yeah, I absolutely don't care at all about this week, honestly. Um, I thought that last week on the podcast, we talked about that looking ahead. I was, you know, candidly barely even watching games this week. You know, it was on. I had it on the second screen, um, but I was not paying close attention in the way that I normally would because the games just didn't matter in any way, shape, or form. Um, it was basically just get healthy. There were a couple of guys that you wanted to see get right, including Dansby, who we'll talk about here in a minute. But, yeah, it was basically avoid injuries have some guys get some rest, have some guys hopefully get some quality of bats. But that was basically it. The results I don't care about in any way. Today, today it became comical at the end as they went to extra innings. That was kind of funny to um, keep an eye on and solve the Poor Gabe. stuff. Yeah. I, mean, the beat, I felt I felt bad for the beat guys today um, just because you know, I've been there. I've been there in a meaningless game when you're just trying to get out of there. Um, most of that talk stuff for me when it's like game 75 and they're – 20 games out of the playoffs and it's just like let's just go home please um but yeah it's uh interesting in some ways that they didn't play well down the stretch but i don't really care about any of that stuff um let's go to the news a little bit um some of the stuff is future facing obviously or we wouldn't be talking about it but let's go with the injury stuff briefly you know Cunha left tuesday's game with what they called hip tightness at the beginning of it it was precautionary and then he was ruled out immediately for the rest of the week that was the right move um you know We've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast and elsewhere, but it's probably worth at least noting kind of the obscene workload that's been out there for Acuna, Freeman, Albies, and Donaldson all season long. Those guys have just played so many innings, so many games that, um, you know, I'm sure some of that has to do with it. I'm not sure how much. And, you know, at this point in time, it's good to have them get some rest this week. And by the way, the Braves don't play till Thursday, so everyone will get, you know, three full days rest, which is nice. But Acuna... 
seems like he's going to be all hands on deck um, in terms of starting Thursday, but that's a little bit weird, and you don't want to see it. And then you have the Freeman situation where Freddie played all weekend, but there was a lot of weirdness, um, starting with the, quote, you'll have to ask him comment on Saturday from Ryan Snicker that set the world on fire. Um, and then Sunday, Freddie essentially admitting that he's not 100% um, on the record multiple times, and then subsequently playing in the game a couple hours later in a meaningless game, which... I'm going to try not to rant about that. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I got to be honest with you. So um, those two guys hopefully are okay. You know, Freddie is famous for playing through injury and not being willing to kind of sit and rest. And Ronnie is a young player who I think will be fine. But at the same time, um, the two best players on the roster aren't fully healthy. Donaldson seems to be fine by all accounts, but uh, the top three, if you want to stretch it to that, are not 100% healthy at this point in time, which isn't ideal, you have to say. Yeah, I think uh, I I forget who reported it, but with Acuna, they said his batting practice was as usual. The only thing he wasn't really doing this weekend was was uh, sprinting. And I get it if you have a groin, why risk aggravating it for a couple of meaningless games against the Mets? Um, R.I.P. to forty forty, by the way. Did, did yeah, I know, which was a bummer. Um, that would have been really cool for him, and and I know that you know it's a personal thing, but. Uh, Obviously, it's 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 uh, you you want to be ready for the playoffs, especially with some of the struggles this team has had in the playoffs the last I don't know fifteen years. Um, so, eighteen yeah, years, get, Scott. 18, eighteen. Two thousand one. But who's counting? <laughs> Me, um, I am. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, you get Acuna. It seemed like Freddie. I I tweeted it earlier. Like, who knows? We're obviously not sitting in the medical room with Freddie and the trainers, and it seems like this elbow spur has been a thing for years now. Um, whether he's resting or he's swinging the bat 200 times a, a day, I'm not even sure it really matters. Is kind of just my general takeaway of everything, at least that's been reported. Some days it's good, some days it's bad. Sometimes he rests it and it feels better. Sometimes he rests it and then the first time he swings the bat, it starts hurting again. Um, I think it's just something he's going to have to deal with over the next, uh, hopefully, month. And you, you mentioned the three days off. Hopefully his elbow calms down a bit because it goes without saying they will certainly need Acuna and Freddie uh, ready to go. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And the, the honestly, the Acuna thing almost worries me less just because they kept, I don't think if it was a serious injury, they would have kept him in baseball activities, right? So, like, if they, like, if there was a true, like, if it was like a severe, like, grade two strain or something like that, where, you know, you really worry about re injuring things or aggravating things, I don't think they'd be letting him take a batting practice or doing anything like that. I think that this was just a precautionary thing. And, it was the right decision to make. Freddie's elbow concerns me a little bit more, and it's actually dampened my expectations for him just because you just don't know. If this is a continuing story, which is what it seems to be with kind of how Snit was reacting and kind of what Freddie was talking about, it's very possible this is just as going to be his elbow is going to hurt throughout the playoffs. Now, the question becomes whether or not he can make hard enough contact at some, you know, during the course of the playoffs that pitchers will respect him because otherwise if they don't think he can get around on anything and whether or not he can is an open question that, you know, he might become a much easier out than he normally would be in the middle of the lineup. But I suspect that if he's playing, he is going to be good enough. And I mean, you're not, you can't just like groove pitches to Freddie Freeman, you know, especially when he's healthy, but you know, he'd have to be really banged up and really hurt to, you know, kind of be kind of victimized by opposing good pitchers. So I, I, my hunch is that he'll be okay. I'm just, I don't, I'm not anticipating him having to carry this, the team. And I'm, I really do hope that, you know, what we're seeing from Dansby and, you know, maybe from a couple other guys who have been performing reasonably well lately, that that is 
fairly real because I don't think relying on Freddy for this series coming up is necessarily wise. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Freeman is that he hasn't been he has not been him quite himself over the last half of the season, you know, the last 75 games or so. Um, his OPS is about 858-60, which is still a very, very good player, but not Freddie Freeman in capital letters. In September, he has not home. Actually, he, he homer on September 1st and did not homer again, which is about a 21-game sample, for instance. You know, Freddie, it just hasn't been himself. Power-wise, has not really been there. The slugging percentage is down below 400 in September. So there's a little bit of concern for me in terms of his bat with the elbow thing. It's probably not all the elbow. It could be something related to that, though. And we don't know that he's not going to be good. I mean, he's still been good over the sample size. But since he's been complaining of the injury, that since it became known that he was battling this, he hasn't been quite as good. So that's just kind of the sample that we have at this point in time. I thought it was also telling... Jeff Francoeur, the uh, TV analyst, referenced today, and I'm, I'm going to directly quote here from Francoeur on the broadcast, Brian Snicker wanted to give him the whole day off today, but Freddie said, let me get a couple of ABs, end quote. So if Snicker wanted to give Freddie the day off, um, that probably tells you a little bit of something. I don't think he's 100%. Obviously, he admitted to not being 100%. How much that matters, we'll see. I mean, he needs to be good to have the Braves achieve their ultimate goals, but I think he can be good, even with the elbow. That's kind of, we've seen that. I'm not sure he can be himself at his absolute best, but, you know, it's not going to change because he's going to be out there with that with the injury. It's not debilitating. He said that. There were a couple of times this season where, you know, he referenced not being able to hold his elbow uh, over his head. That's kind of a problem. If it really flares up, that could be some trouble. Um, and you can't really plan for that. And um, they have some guys that can play first base behind him if there was a a real issue with Freddie not being able to play, but um, for better or worse, he's going to be out there and he's going to be, hopefully, you know, he gets three days off now. He could have had up to 10 if they had basically given him, give him this whole week off, but it doesn't really matter at this point in time. I don't love the way it was handled. I think there's an overarching thing to discuss about how Freddie's just allowed to put himself in the lineup whenever he wants. That I don't love that, but at the same time, he's your best player. He's been your best player for a long time, so he gets um, some leeway that nobody else is going to get, and I also understand that. So hopefully he's okay. That's kind of the over. That's kind of the big. That's kind of the big picture takeaway for me is that hopefully he's closest to 100 percent as he's going to get here because it's not going to change. It's not going to get better. No, and and at this point, you just kind of have to, you know, close your eyes and and cross your fingers and hope it works out. And thankfully, this year, you know, last year, uh, the lineup just didn't have nearly the same depth that that it does this year. So Eric mentioned about Freddie, you know, not necessarily having to carry the team, and and you know, obviously, Freddie's such an important cog in the middle of it, but. If he's not 100%, you at least have a couple other guys around him who can pick up the slack and and hopefully carry the load. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just kind of the injuries are are what they are right now, and if they're, I mean, there's no there's no one that you can really plug in at first base that it, it can even be reasonable for any like reasonable length of time. So if you know Freddie can't play, then you know that's just bad. So you have to kind of hope <laughs> that it works out. That is that is very bad. Um, yeah. That's kind of that's probably gonna, that's probably good on Freddie. We'll see how they handle that, and uh, hopefully he's back to his old self in the future. I'm not worried about Donaldson at all. Either of you have any any concern about Josh Donaldson looking ahead? No. I, I don't have any, so we can probably just leave that there. But um, okay, let's leave that for now. Last thing I wanted to at least point out about this week was the performance of Dansby Swanson. Um, you know, it's a small sample thing, but the last five games he went nine for twenty five, and uh, that isn't like a over ridiculous performance but at the same time uh, he had been really bad for a while so to have him get have some success in that final week is very helpful 
Uh, I saw the debate still raging today about Hetch Avria against Swanson because Hetch, of course, had the bomb late in the game, and he has been a uh, much better hitter in Atlanta than he's been anywhere else. But um, for me, on the record, uh, Swanson would be my starting shortstop, and nothing would change that, barring injury. Uh, I know. I, I was I, A week ago, I said I need Dansby to show me something this week if he's going to start. I think he did show enough. He hit a couple line drives. He's still not hitting really for any kind of power other than like a hustle double in the gap. But um, yeah, I think you have to ride with the guy who, who's got you here. Um, Hedgeferia has been great. You mentioned the two homers today, tied it up and then hit what was a go ahead homer in the 11th or 12th, or whatever inning they were in. But no, I, I think it'll be Dansby unless, you know, something happens over the next couple of days. I think it'll be Dansby and, and you just hope that he's able to, to roll over what he did this past week. Yeah, it was never really a question for me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I find it hysterically funny that, you know, there's going to be that Echeverria has actually turned into this guy who's like, you know, hitting for power, bat flipping like crazy. And, you know, that was almost, awesome today, by the way. That bat flip oh, was, was over, overwhelmingly fantastic. Oh, he's had a few good ones. He's, he's yeah, a, he's a, the one he, that, he's a, I mean, yeah, he has a strong bat flip. He has a strong bat flip game. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm all for it. But, uh, you know, it was never even a question in my mind. I mean, Dansby would really have had to cool off like to the point where he wasn't hitting at all i think really, scott wanted to cut dansby like two weeks ago I, oh I, god I, I heard that correctly was that right? <laughs> yeah. yes oh uh, well no, well, no well, dansby hater yeah <laughs> yeah well we know there's gonna be tweets about it now that's for sure so you know <laughs> scott um, wanted to cut dansby and i wanted to trade ozzy um all that, right. all that stuff twitter you know what to do you know what yes. to do people i expect no, it's, it it's <laughs> I think I think we're in a safe zone now with Dansby. Like Scott said, we, he he kind of did enough. I agree that he has not been his best self at the plate. The power that was early that was there early earlier this season has not been there, and that is at least mildly concerning. But you know, for me, I go with the track record. And Hechevaria again has been awesome in Atlanta. I don't believe that as a as a true baseline for Hechevaria at the plate. He just never done it before. Um, if he does it, then Godspeed to him. Um, I just don't necessarily believe that. He does provide value, though, as a guy who can play the infield spots. He's going to be on the playoff roster. We'll talk about that in a minute, but um, I'm going to Dansby until I can't anymore. Yeah, and I think Snit will, too. The way he rides his I – mean, not even Dansby is a veteran, but just rides his guys. I think it'll be Dansby out there, and you hope he, he keeps going and, and – uh, you know, he has the, the clutch gene, which I kind of laugh at because I, I have my questions about the clutch gene, but um, he does have some big hits under his belt uh, during his time in Atlanta. So hopefully, and he did miss, I, I kind of forgot that he missed uh, the NLDS last year. They talked to, I think, Freddie before the game about some of the guys who weren't able to be a part of the playoff roster last year. And, and Dansby did miss the playoffs. So I should have, I should have cool uh, went yeah. back and just copy pasted the roster to read off to everybody about how bad the roster was last year in the playoffs. It was Cause pretty it rough. was really bad. Yeah. Pretty rough. Um, as a reminder to everyone, just, to, just to say, listen, listen guys, it, it may not go great. It's possible the Braves don't win this series. And we'll talk about that obviously here in a second, but the uh, team is much better set up this time around than it was last year. And we can, <laughs> we'll expand on that in a second. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with uh, some roster breakdown and look ahead to the Cardinals. So hold on one second. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, guys, we're back, and uh, we've been teasing it for a while, but let's have the roster discussion because we've had it a little bit. Um, I think all of us have together and separately in the, over the last two, three, four weeks of the regular season when it became clear they were going to be in the playoffs. But let's have it once and for all now. Um, it's worth noting that we're recording on, sun, on Sunday night. The roster is not going to be available for a while. They have no reason to release it this early, so we are definitely speculating here. We're going off of what's been reported and what's kind of out there, but we do not know what the roster is going to be, so we're going to give our opinions. And if you're listening to this later in the week and the roster's out, um, don't yell at us. So for me, this is what I – my way of, of, of attacking this is to – put together some locks that I wrote down. I got to 20 out of the 25 with locks, and I'm going to read them real quickly, and we'll go over this as we get going here. But positionally, I, I went with Brian McCann, Tyler Flowers as both locks, a catcher, Freeman, Albies, Swanson, Donaldson, Hechevaria as the utility infielder, Acuna, Marcakis, Matt Joyce, Adam Duvall as the right-handed corner outfielder, and then Billy Hamilton as defense and speed guy. And that, So that's 12 position players. Um, on the pitching side, I picked up eight. Obviously, there'll be more than eight, but eight absolute guaranteed locks for me. Keichel, Fultonavich, Soroka, Max Fried, Mark Melanson, Shane Green, Martin, and uh, Sean Newcomb. So, before we get going, did I miss anyone on the lock list? I tried to be as judicious as possible and give only the guys who were absolutely 100% locks. I think there are a few guys who are very likely to be on the team, but... This is all I could get to. Do either, either one of you have a 100% lock that you believe no. is going to be on this team? I do not. Eric? I think Cervelli is as close to an absolute lock as you can get just because Ooh, of... All right. Yeah, I think he, I think he's very likely. I think that the, just the way that Anthopoulos has talked about, you know, needing to carry a third catcher with these, like this particular brand of, you know, McCann and Flowers, just having that third catcher, I think it's likely... Uh, and you know he it helps that he can swing the bat. So if he's pinch hitting, you know it's not like you know it's not like the Ryan Flaherty situation where everyone you know was laughing about last year. He can actually hit. Um, but other than that, no absolute locks. Uh, I do think Josh Tomlin did earn a spot, but I don't know if it's necessarily a lock, especially if like you're wanting to carry you know a long man. And honestly, Luke Jackson is probably right there with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that. Like you said, having two veteran catchers who may not be the most durable at this point in time necessarily, with McCann particularly, um, having Cervelli there, the bat is worth discussing because this is not your run-of-the-mill third catcher. Cervelli would be a starting-level catcher on a lot of teams if he's healthy. He's a good player when healthy, so that kind of gives him a leg up. The only reason why I didn't I did not put him on the lock list was because even as recently as like two or three weeks ago, Mark Bowman, who's more plugged in than I am, did, did not have a third catcher on the list, and that kind of threw me off the scent a little bit. I think that Cervelli is likely to be there, um, but I just couldn't get quite there. But you know, he certainly would be on my projection of yeah. guys who are going to be on the roster at this point in time. Let's go. Let's go to position players first because you know if we if we named twelve locks. 
they're not carrying more than 14, and it could be 13. So if we're putting Cervelli on there, first of all, Scott, do you agree with Cervelli as a likely guy? Would he, would yeah. he, would he be on your roster? I, I do, and especially if um, I, I would at least hope that if McCann or Flowers get on base in a late inning close game situation, Billy. it would be an it would be an automatic yeah it'd be an automatic hook for Billy Hamilton. So um, because of that, the last thing you want is I mean as as unlikely as it is, of course it would happen to the Braves that they pinch run for their catcher and then the backup you know takes a ball uh, a foul ball or something and can't continue and all of a sudden they're they literally have nobody to catch. I wonder. Uh, I wonder who the backup catcher is now. Um, since this is not Culberson. I wonder who the I fourth think catcher Josh, would be. <laughs> which is terrifying. But I want to say that Josh Donaldson was a catcher in like high school or something crazy like that. There's so, zero chance they'd put him behind the planet. No, no right. it would have you to know, be. But Mark honestly, Hakes, though, maybe well, Mark Markakis or Duvall or something. He's yeah. left-handed. You can't. You can't put Markakis back there. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll, they'll let him play any other position. So I don't Maybe Duvall. I, yeah, it, it is kind of funny, though. Once you said that, I was looking at this team. Like, there's not an obvious no. candidate. You have a bunch of, you know, not, Cross Freeman off. Um, Osby Dansby, you need up the middle. Like, I think it might have to be Duvall. Duvall. Yeah. yeah, and you pray know. that the game ends in a hurry. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, that's that's a good point. And, it, and another reason to have Cervelli around, honestly. I think his bat, you know, it may not be um, – a situation where you can assume health for him long term, but honestly, he's probably a better hitter than guys like Ortega and even Riley at this point in time. Obviously, Riley has more upside with power, but yeah. Cervelli's bat's legitimate. He's not like a Rene Rivera third catcher. Mm-hmm. So, all right, that's that's thirteen. Um, before we get into this, hypothetically, do you want them to carry twelve pitchers, or is eleven the number we're going to settle on here? Mm. Because that, that, uh, that's question number one, honestly, because if you're going to carry 11 pitchers, then you either take Riley or Ortega as your 14th position player. If you only want if you want to carry 12 position players, then we're done, and you're not carrying Riley or Ortega. So that's kind of a big decision. Yeah. I, personally, I lean towards an extra pitcher. I don't know about you, Eric. Given what's happened with Freddie and, I mean, Donaldson's injury is just kind of a nothing burger from today, but, you know, those are two guys that are hard to replace, and then if you... If one of th- something happens to one of those guys, then you kind of have Echeverria as not an option for other, you know, other situations. Um, as a result, I wouldn't hate it if the, if Riley was took the spot. I don't think it's going to be Ortega. Let's be clear about that. I, I, I don't think there's I don't <laughs> think there's any chance he's going to get on. He, that. He's on the uh, list, but I, I don't. And honestly, it it raised my eyebrows to see some of the beat guys talking about him as a real possibility earlier this week. I don't think it's going to happen. But I was like crossing him off completely, barring injury, um, and that maybe put him back on the list as a possibility. But I'm with you. I do think that your point about Donaldson is particularly interesting because right now they only have one backup infielder, and if you carry Riley, he can at least play third play third base for you if you get an injury and you could slide Hetch around. If you don't have an, another infielder, if something happens to one of your infielders, you you don't you don't have a backup all of a sudden. You don't have anybody that can play. I mean, first base you get you can play guys. You know, Marquez can play there, etc. But you don't have anybody else on the roster if you get an injury. Suddenly you're flying without a backup um, infielder, and that yeah. would be a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. it's just the first. I mean, it's not like a crazy amount of versatility. It's I mean, no, I mean it's it's, it's something it's, it's, though. You can you can at least play Riley at third if you needed to, yes. to do that. Yeah, it it really stinks that Culberson and Camargo got hurt and won't be able to play. That's yeah, that's that's that's, that's that's the spot that we've been talking about for a while. But it would be helpful if they had some more versatility because that's kind of the one thing they don't have. I mean, Hetcheverria can play multiple spots, but that's basically it. Everybody else is either is pretty 
well defined. You know, Hamilton can play all over the outfield, um, but you know everybody else that's a role player of Hechevarria is basically a one or two position player. So, yeah. So if it, if it's me, candidly, I am going to carry. Uh, I'm going to carry 14, and I'm going to carry 11 pitchers, and that means I'm taking Riley. Um, I do think Riley's pop could be useful in a you know really need a power situation. Like, there's a situation in the playoffs where you're down two or three runs and you just need a power option off the bench. He brings power. I don't think Riley is very good at this point in time. Um, just right now today, I think in the future, obviously he has some intriguing upside. But right now today, I don't think Riley is a fantastic player, but he does have power that no one else can match off the bench. So that's uh, that's kind of why yeah. I'd want him. That and the versatility would be why I'd carry him. He's, he's like, he represents lightning in a bottle and he's, I mean, honestly, the last, what, two, three months, it's either been a strikeout or a home run has basically been his MO for uh, all year, frankly. So I'm with you. I, I go back and forth. I, I'm curious to see, um, you know, what, and obviously we're not doing the advanced scouting that the Braves are doing right now, but you know, things like last year, Alex Anthopoulos talked about, they carried, uh, Tukey on the, on the playoff roster because, they had intel of uh, big right-handed curveballs against the Dodgers gave them yep. problems. Well, that's something that none of us are going to have the uh, desire or ability to look into or to seriously scout, whereas the Braves knew, yeah, and, and Tukey pitched well if memory serves. So it's little things like that. We talk about guys who are probably not going to be in, who knows, maybe uh, the way that Josh Tomlin's changeup moves is going to give the Cardinals hitters all kinds of problems, or at least they think so, and they include them for that reason. But ultimately, it's it's just kind of a guessing game at this point. And, yep. um, and, and But I, I do think this kind of group that we've identified are the ones who have at least a decent chance at the 25. The, the one thing I uh, want to at least point out about, and I think the reason why Ortega might have come up in conversation is because if you look at this team and assume – um, that Marquecas and Joyce are going to start against right-handed pitching, which is going to happen. Um, they suddenly don't have a single left-handed pinch, pinch hitter, unless unless McCann's not starting that day. All the right-handed options are suddenly right. Uh, you know, all the, all the bench options are suddenly right-handed, basically off the bench. So that would be the Ortega. That would be the Ortega theory, but I wouldn't. I still wouldn't do that. I think I'd still just roll with Duvall and Duvall and I guess Hamilton. If, if Hamilton's pinch hitting, something's gone terribly wrong. Um, but Anyway, yeah, I would carry 14. That's kind of where I would land with this. Is that Are we okay to move on from position players? Is there yeah, any, I think any more thoughts? I think that's I, kind of I, I do say I do think O'Day has a pretty decent shot of making the postseason roster, which is kind of wild. Yeah, let's let's go to pitching. I mean, there's there's eight locks. Um, as, we, as we talked about earlier, that means if we're carrying 14 position players, that means three pitchers. And for me, it's basically there's five options. It's Julio Tehran. It's Josh Tomlin. Those are your two long, long options. Then you have Jerry Blevins as a loogie, essentially. And then you have the two right-handed relievers, Darren O'Day and Luke Jackson. Um, for me, I would put Luke Jackson on first of this five. Um, that's just me. I think I think Luke Jackson's gotten a bad rap in some circles, but he's a better pitcher than some of these guys are that are available to me. And I think Jackson would be the first guy I would take. You obviously are going to take at least – I think you're going to take either a Tehran or Tomlin. But um, for me, I would go with Jackson – over O'Day and Blevins, but that's just me. I like Darren O'Day just because of the right-handed thing against a Cardinals lineup that is super right-handed heavy. 
Yeah, he's, um, he, he's almost a rookie at this point. Almost. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, the way the Cardinals, I mean, they have, if he's healthy, they have Colton Wong, who bats usually first or second, and then Matt Carpenter, who is not the same Matt Carpenter he's been in few, the last few years. But, you know, the middle of their order is is all righty. It's all righty. It's all right-handed. With they have some switch guys. I mean, they, they have Fowler and uh, is it Tommy Edmond is a switch hitter too? They have a couple yeah. switch hitters, but nobody that's like a left-handed Carpenter was their left-handed bopper, and he's just been bad this season. Yeah, yeah. So if you do know that you have Goldschmidt and Ozuna batting 3-4, which they've batted almost all year long, I would much rather use those guys than or use O'Day than somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Eric. So, so with the eight names that, you know, you have – for lefty options, you have – if, if you're going to run Max Freed out there in game four or you just kind of cycle through a three-man rotation and just leave Freed out of the bullpen, that's one option as a, as a lefty killer. Then you have Newcomb, who, you know, I can take or leave uh, in terms of the lefty option, but he at least is the big lefty comes out of the bullpen. And Chris Martin, who has these weird reverse splits, who's really good against lefties, I, that's, I feel like that's all you need to deal with the lefties in the Cardinals lineup. So I'm kind of with Scott, is that, you know, I would start with Luke Jackson like you would. And then for like the last two spots, I would be going for O'Day, and then I would give it to Tomlin, which means that Julio misses the playoff roster again, and that's you know it's kind of a sad thing, but it is what it is. Do you? Okay, here's here's one here's one for you. Do they have to carry a long man? Assuming Max Freed is going to be a long man, and I think he's probably going to be from the way they've talked about this. That's not a definite, but I I do think that Max Freed is going to operate in that role. I might be wrong, but. If Freed is operating in that role, do you need a long man? I'm just being devil's advocate. Do you need mm-hmm. Tayron or Tomlin? Or, or uh, could you just take Blevins, O'Day, and Jackson? I mean, me personally, I would take I would take Tomlin over Julio. And I think I think there is somewhat of a need just because on the chance that like your starter gets hurt and you're not trying to scramble and burn or a game goes into extra innings. I mean it's yeah, not I mean, like if it's me, it's by like the way, I, I'm not st- I'm not gonna carry Julio unless he's starting. That's me. Yeah, and I, I would and not I carry think, Julio in a relief role. I just wouldn't do it. And I think as far as Game Four goes with Freed, I think it's it'll certainly be determined by how the first three nights go. If I think they're going to for sure use Freed out of the bullpen in Games One and maybe even Game Two, because even if he threw uh, forty-five, you know, thirty, forty-five pitches in Game One, that would give him a couple days to to get ready for a presumed start in Game Four. Uh, but I almost like the idea of utilizing him three or four times in this series versus giving him a start, just personally. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, again, it's kind of wild because he's been so he's been really good at times for the Braves and out of the rotation. But you know, given the needs of what of this particular rotation in this particular time, it feel and the fact that you mean throwing him against a, a lineup with a ton of righties. You know, it seems better just that he can, you know, come out of the bullpen and, you know, he, something that he has experience doing and just giving him some chances to, like, let his, just uncork his stuff so that way he can, like, have that play up against, you know, some fairly unfavorable matchups at times. Um, I'm, I, I, you know, it, it depends on what's going on in the series and what you really need. You know, it, I wouldn't be shocked if he got a start, but I kind of tend to agree that I would rather just see him in a relief role and getting some time there. Yeah, I mean, the elephant in the room, and I don't think we mentioned this earlier, is that Julio has not been very good. The last three starts, he was dreadful this week in his one outing. Um, six runs, two and a third innings against the Royals. So that took a lot of the wind out of the sails. You know, 
we've been skeptical of Julio um, most of the way, but at the same time, he provided a lot of value this season, which has to be noted. Like Julio did his job well this season. Um, with that said, I just I have no trust for Julio as a starter in a playoff series. So if you're not going to start him, and they haven't said that, but you know even the even with the what with what the beat, the, the beat guys were saying this week after his last start, um, that kind of being an audition for him did not go well. So I don't know. For me, I would rather have Tomlin. He's more comfortable in that role. He's done it for a while. He's insurance if you needed the extra innings, like Scott pointed out before. So. I guess at the end of the day, you have the eight guys we talked about. If we if if you carry a long man, how do you do it? So I guess we'll go one by one here. Eric, how would you build the last three spots of the pitching so we can get you on the record here? Uh, it'd be Tomlin, Luke Jackson, and No Day. Scott, it would be uh, Tomlin, Luke Jackson, and Darren No Day. Oh, I want to be different. Throw Julio I, I, in there so people don't yell. Kyle Wright. No, I would not. Honestly, I'm thinking about Blevins. I'm not thinking about anybody else, honestly. I'm on record. If I'm not starting Julio, he's not going to be there, and and I wouldn't start him. So there is an argument for Blevins. I know the stuff about right-handed pitching, and I know there isn't a guy in this lineup for the Cardinals that's going to scare you too much. But if I am managing the Cardinals um, and I have a way to maybe stack those guys a little bit – Suddenly, you maybe you're facing Colton Wong and uh, Matt Carpenter back to back in the eighth inning or the seventh inning, and you are facing those guys with with one left-handed pitcher. That might be a little bit scary to me, but mm-hmm. I I mean, it just puts a lot of pressure on, on Sean Newcomb. It it makes it to where Sean Newcomb is basically a pure situational lefty, which I don't love because he's the only one you have. But Blevins also isn't good enough where you can't leave him off. Okay. You sold me. Uh, I think we're in agreement, actually. I think I'm going to go with the same three guys you guys did. I, it wouldn't infuriate me if they roll with Julio, but if you're going to roll with Julio, I would do it as a Game 4 starter with Max Freed ready to go. Yeah. That's the way yeah. That's the way I would use Julio is, all right, Julio, we'll give you the shortest leech possible. Go out there and see what you got, and Max Freed's going to be in the bullpen ready to go. And this is the only series that I think that Julio has a realistic chance because it's a favorable matchup, a favorable matchup with a bunch of righties in it. There's no world where I'd run him out there against the Dodgers. That's terrifying with the lefty guys they have. (laughs) And then, and then, and obviously in the World Series, I don't know who's going to be there, but I know what the options are, and I'm not running him out there against those lefties either. So honestly, the only reason why Max Fried's not starting is because it's the Cardinals, and for me anyway. If it's if if this is the Dodgers, I would be banging the table for Max Fried to start. Not come out of the not come out of the bullpen. It's the matchup more than anything as to why I'm not going to argue for that. I mean, I guess his value in the bullpen is is real as well. But to your point, in the next series, if it's the Dodgers in the next series, and I'm knocking out all kinds of wood right now, yeah, you can't start Julio. <laughs> you just, you can't. Yeah. Do that. Well, and I think for me, and sure, I don't want to act like every pitcher. You know, Julio is the only guy who has this issue. But we have all seen Julio have that one inning where all of a sudden he literally cannot throw a strike and he'll uncork like eight straight fastballs into the right-handed batter's box. You can't have that in a playoff series, especially in relief nonetheless. You know, it's one thing if he's doing that against the Marlins in the middle of August. Um, But I just have this fear compared to like Josh Tomlin, who historically walked, what did he walk, like three guys out of the bullpen all year or something like that? Um, Yeah. I just don't trust Julio in a bullpen role like I do Tomlin, who's been doing it all year. Yeah, he's more comfortable, for sure. 
he's definitely safer. Tomlin's upside is not high at all, but I think you're only using that guy, honestly, if you get in a jam. Because for the most part, you know, playoff baseball is managed differently, which is something we should definitely talk about a little bit here. Um, but you're not going to go out and eat innings in the way that you would in the regular season. So Tomlin's value is decreased a little bit. You're basically only going to him if there's some sort of issue where your starter gets bludgeoned early and you're suddenly down. Six and then nothing. you have bigger, yeah, and then you have bigger issues, right? Or or, so, if, or, if you're, or conversely, if you're up by ten runs, then he's the perfect. Or that, run or or, yeah. or if you get into, or if you get into an extra inning scenario, like you know, famously last year in the playoffs, a few times that the Red Sox had a had guys go like six innings in in, in, the, in extra innings, and really, really get pushed to the limit. And that's where it's nice to have a guy like Tomlin who can go out there and throw you five innings if he had to. Um, but yeah, he's definitely whoever that guy is, and I think it's gonna be Tomlin, just like you guys do. That guy is your last reliever. He's your either if you have nobody left reliever or if you have to bring somebody in the third inning reliever. That's basically what he comes down to with that spot, in my opinion. You don't want to have to use him every night, for sure. All right. Well, that's our roster, I think. That's 25 we just come up with. We, we picked our 14-11 our split. Um, I don't know. Oh, we should, we should at least talk about Ender for a second. If, if the Braves managed to navigate this series and win it. Um, and we'll talk about that in more in a second when we get some predictions going on. Uh, Ender had to be shut down this week because of the discomfort came back for him. He's not ruled out beyond this series, but he's not going to play in this series. That sucks, um, both for Ender, who he was obviously trying to get back, and for the team. He, I mean, he's not an incredible X-factor, but I think he makes the team better if he's on it. So that's also yeah. unfortunate for the Brave situation. So any thoughts on that? I mean, we're looking ahead way too far to talk about how, if he can come back in the LCS, but... And honestly, for me, it's tough because then he wouldn't have played for a long time. It's really yeah. tough to like, all right, Ender, go out there and play in the LCS. Yeah, it would be almost two months without a competitive at bat, which is a problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially with Acuna's groin issue, I thought if Ender came back, it might even increase the chances because then you can put Acuna in one of the corner outfield spots where he's probably not running quite as much as he would be in center. Um, so that's a consideration, but it is a shame. Ender was, you know, notoriously a, a far better hitter in the second half. He was really hitting well after coming back from the injury, uh, the first time around. So it is, it's a loss. I, I'd rather have him patrolling center field in, in the late innings than Ronald Acuna. And that's just the fact of it. He's a, he's a legitimate gold glover out there. So, um, it is a shame. Um, hopefully uh, I would be surprised. I would, as we talked about, two months without playing is a long time, especially even if they send him down in like a couple days to the uh, like the instructionals or to even like the Arizona Fall League to get some at bats in. I would be kind of skeptical of running him out there after not really playing in two months. But again, that's kind of cart before the horse. I mean, yeah, there's there's no chance that they could run him out there to the Arizona Fall League because this kind of has the way their how rosters work. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. But, yeah. uh, but they, they could send it down to instructionals, but I still think it's pretty. I'm, that the only way I would see it happening is one if he's he gets healthy and there's something still wrong with Acuna to where he's actually actively impacting his performance. Or if or, you lose, uh, or, or if you lose uh, Hamilton, that's that's the only other thing is like I think having Hamilton lessens the reasoning to push yep. Ender because if if you, if you suddenly didn't have Hamilton you would want Ender just to ha- just to have the defense and not really the base running, but just to have the defense more than anything. But, but with Hamilton, he's your, he's a better defender than an NCRT at this point in time. That might be a hot take, but it's not like 
Billy Hamilton's awesome on defense. Um, so he can't hit like Ender can, but that, that insurance policy does lessen the need to rush Ender back for me anyway. Yeah. There's no, there's no reason to push it. There's no reason to chance it. You've got a guy who plays that role as well, if not arguably better in certain situations than others. So there's just no, you know, it's kind of is what it is. It sucks though, just because I, I, I agree with you guys. Not having Ender on the team makes the team worse. I'm just glad he's not batting leadoff. You know, he'd be a really good number <laughs> seven or number eight hitter. There you go. I had had to get a shot at it at some point. I was gonna do it if you didn't. Um, so. <laughs> had to. No, that's it's. Uh, yeah, we can leave that there. Um, anything in terms of you know situational stuff that we want to talk about? I think it's very clear based on reporting at this point that against right-handed pitchers, they're going to go with Marquecas and Joyce, and then against lefties, it's going to be, Mar- be Marquecas and Duvall. Um, you know, my thoughts about Marquecas against left-handed pitching are well-documented, but there isn't an option that is overwhelmingly better than him at this point, so I'm not, I'm not as upset about it as I probably would be under, under other yeah. different, cir- different circumstances. Anything bothering well, you about well, that or anything else? No, because all four of St. Louis's presumed starters are all right-handed. Yeah, so this you're series not matters a lot see. less. <laughs> yeah, sure, it's pretty, sure. It's pretty, cl- it's pretty even- cut and dry. And even the bullpen, you know, they have Andrew Miller, who is kind of a shell of what he used to be. You know, they don't, this isn't a, a situation where using, having lefties in the order. If anything, you probably want as many lefties in there as you can, just based on general splits of things. Um, so, how yeah. Uh, oh, to your point, I didn't think about this. How much, how many starts do you think McCann gets versus Flowers in this series? Um, well, I know, okay, so like the, I, they were saying that Keichel likes Flowers now because of his framing. Uh, so like Flowers catches Keuchel now, um, but McCann catches Fulty, and Flowers has generally caught Soroka. I think it was Bowman who was pointing this out. So my guess is it's Flowers in game one, McCann in two, and uh, Flowers in three, just based on who pitchers prefer throwing to. That sounds about right. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it was, you know, like two for McCann, one for Flowers. You know, like you know, Soroka ends up throwing to McCann just because of like matchups or something. It's not that crazy to me either way. But the, it's, I think it's probably right that Flowers gets two just based on kind of what what Bowman has talked about and what you guys are talking about. Just that's just kind of the general tendencies. Unless they have some information on these guys where you know they really think that McCann can mash against them or something. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, you're leaning more towards pitching there, which I'm probably okay with. the The difference between Flowers and McCann at the plate is not big enough where you want to, you know, mess up a pitcher to favor that. I was, honestly, there aren't a ton of matchup things because, as you guys have pointed out, all right-hand starters for the Cardinals makes it to where there isn't a whole lot of pregame strategy here. It's basically no. play the lineup that's all the core guys. You're playing Marquecas and, and, and uh, Joyce in the corner outfield spots and then whichever catcher. There not really is. There's not really any other platooning going on here. No, no. It's And that's, you know, that's... Uh, you know, me personally, I guess we can kind of dig into the Cardinals a little bit here. Yeah, let's do it. You know, the Cardinals have an interesting team because other than Jack Flaherty, who had like a finished the second half with a sub one ERA. He's, um, he's been ridiculous, by the way. He's he's phenomenal. Um, they It's just a good, solid team across the board, but they don't really have like, I think you can argue that of all the playoff teams, they uh, arguably have the worst lineup. Um, the bullpen has been good throughout the year, but it's been pretty shaky over the last couple weeks, um, especially out in Arizona. It got killed. Um, so, you know, I don't want to act like, I mean, they're a good team. They won more than 90 games. They have, you know, Paul Goldschmidt's a good player. Um, Tommy Edmond is a name that Braves fans don't know, but he just feels like somebody who's going to give the Braves all kinds of trouble. He's been their best player in the second half. 
Um, Colton Wong is currently injured, but he actually had the highest WRC plus um, of anybody on the roster. It was about 140 in the second half. Um, so yeah, it's not a it's not a bad team by any means, and, and Flaherty is going to probably finish top five in Cy Young voting. Um, but it's also not like the Dodgers. Like let's be real, last year. Even the most uh, loyal Brave fan had to know that the Dodgers had every advantage in that series going in, and it would take somewhat of a miracle. Whereas this year, I truly think on paper, um, especially if Acuna and Freddie are even shells of themselves, I do think on paper the Braves are the better team um, for you know for whatever that is worth. I have a couple of stats for you before I let Eric re- 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 uh, sort of uh, provide a rebuttal to that. Um, these are the Fangraphs rankings for this is full season stats, but. Just sort of to tell people what the Carls have been this year, they are 16th in in um, offensive overall offensive rating on Fangraphs, basically offensive WAR. They're 16th. They're 14th in in Major League Baseball in position player WAR overall. So that rewards their defense a little bit, which has been pretty good. But still middle of the pack in both of, both of those things. They are 16th in starting pitching WAR. So middle of the pack in baseball again. There, their one strength, as Scott sort of alluded to, is their, has been their bullpen. Um, they were seventh in, in bullpen war this season, but they've cooled off in the second half as well. So, kind of just in a more elaborate way of saying what Scott said, this is not a team that, that does anything particularly well. They're not incredible in any, any, any one spot. No glaring weaknesses either, but not a team that is nearly what the Dodgers were last year. And honestly, for as much as I was rooting for the Brewers to win the NL Central, that was mostly because of the Brewers being the walking wounded more so than being scared of the Cardinals. The Braves are going to be the favorite in the series, and they should be. They have the better roster. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. It's just that, you know, the Braves are the better team. If if anything gets them, it's just going to be the, the injuries, like if they're just seri- more serious than we're realizing, and that, you know, Acuna and Freeman are just non-factors because that changes things quite a bit. But I do think that they're favored. I, it's the one thing that Card- the Cardinals do kind of have going for them is that kind of that home mystique that they have. Um, and the Braves have been one of the better teams on the road this year. So it's kind of one of those things where I could actually see this game thing, you know, like the Braves winning this 3-1, which if, like, you put a gun to my head right now, that's probably what I would predict. But it, w- but this is playoff baseball. So, like, if the Braves, like, lose this series, this isn't some, like, grand upset. It's not like, you know, what the Rockies did a bunch of years ago where they, yeah. you know, like, they, like, went on a crazy win streak just to even get in, and mm-hmm. then they were upsetting people all the way to the World Series. It's nothing like that. I mean, this is a good this is a good baseball team, and, you know, in a five-game series, a lot of things can happen. Um, the Braves are going to have to play well to beat this team, but, you know, they don't have to necessarily have, like, the, the series of their lives to do so. So that's just yeah. kind of where I'm at. It's not a massive split. This is not the Astros playing an 88-win team. Like, the Braves, you know, 97 wins was a good season, obviously. And again, they're going to be favored. They should be favored. The betting lines are not out for the series yet, but just as a uh, indication of the fact that Braves will be favored in the series, um, you know, I would be stunned if they weren't, is the fact that, you know, the World Series odds are still out. And as of now, the Braves have um, much better odds to win the World Series and the National League than the Cardinals do, which is an indication that Vegas believes the Braves are favored in the series. So they have home field. They have a better roster, in our opinion. Um, again, it, it's it's baseball, and a lot can happen. This is not a hugely lopsided series, but top to bottom, the Braves should win the series. They'll be projected to win the series, and if they don't win it, it will be uh, disappointing, to say the yeah. least. Um, no, absolutely. And- it, it, someone was talking about that earlier today. Sorry to cut you off. I think, um, you know, I think last year everybody was happy to be there, and then you just look at the Dodgers roster and go, 
this is going to be tough. This year, I think there'll be legitimate, and, and with good reason, I think there'd be legitimate uh, frustration, even more so than your normal getting eliminated from the playoffs. But they should win this. They, they were the better team all year. Um, if they don't win this, and we talked about they haven't won a playoff series since uh, 2001. Is that right? 2001. Uh, I, have it, I have it written in big, bold letters on the outline. Um, <laughs> have not won a playoff series. And just, just for some context here, it's obviously a long time ago. It's 18 years. I was a sophomore in high school. Um, that's a long time. Well, that, yeah. that is more than half of my life. They have not won a playoff series. Um, it's just kind of insane. And people got mad at me for pointing this out earlier this week. Like people that were looking ahead, I, I just kind of cautioned against that because again, they have not won a playoff series since 2001. And a lot of the time when they have lost, they have not been favored to win, but trust me, they've been favored to win a lot of those times and have not won those series. So you can look ahead and we're, we're doing that a little bit when we talk about Ender and the future and the Dodgers and all that stuff. And that's all, that's perfectly fine. But even with the expectation that they brave should win the series, um, it's hard to ignore that they have not won a series <laughs> in a long time. So I'm kind of fighting my inner Atlanta sports demons on this one a little bit. Cause like there's no yeah. reason why anyone would not pick the Braves in the series. In my opinion, I think they're better and they're playing at home, but you know, they got to overcome a little bit of recent history and maybe not so recent history. 18 years is a long time. When was the last time uh, they held, they hosted a playoff series? Was it 2005 against Houston? Ooh, I had to look that up. Cause because the Chris Burke home run, if I remember, was game four, which would mean that they were obviously the home favorites, or they, you know, games one and two, and then three, four. Is that right? 2005 was the last time they I'm were I'm looking the... through the playoff series now. Last year, they obviously did not host. Um, I thought they might have hosted one of the ones against the Giants, but I'm yeah, not I'm looking now. I'm looking at that right this second. They did not no, host in yeah. 2010. 2013, they against did. The, the Braves series. had home field in 2013. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was the uh, famous um, oh, yeah, yeah. The Dodgers, the Dodgers yeah. series. That's right. Um, so 2013, I forgot they hosted. That series was such an ass-kicking. And just, yeah, we don't they lost game. They lost game one in lopsided fashion, and then won game two, and then the rest of the series was not favorable, including yeah. the famous game four with Craig, Kim- Craig Kimbrell with his arms crossed. <laughs> I was so, trying not to go there. I had to bring it up. No, but again, I mean, I'll let Eric talk about whatever he's going to say just a second ago, but it's, uh, you know, they're favored. They should be favored, but it's going to be disappointing if they don't win the series. And it's, I'm picking them. I think we're all picking them without spoiling everything. I guess we're all picking them. I think to win the series. I am. Yeah, me too. So yeah, we'll get there in a minute, but, uh, you know, just hold on tight folks. It's coming. Um, Eric, uh, what were you about to say before I, before we, uh, cut you off unceremoniously? Oh, well, no, I don't mean it doesn't bother me. All I was going <laughs> to say was that, you know, like, obviously the Atlanta sports thing is like, I don't know if it's real, but it's definitely the thing that's happened. Um, so, but uh, I do feel a little bit better because uh, Scott did tweet out the Tiger meme earlier today. And the first time he broke that out, good things started happening, you know, after, you know, after the Braves had lost some games and then the Tiger meme came back out. So I'm, I'm hopeful that this kind of, you know, starts that up again, uh, if for no other reason that that's probably been, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to like this season a lot, and you know it's been one of my favorites covering, uh, which is going to be tough. Was going to be tough to top last year, which was really surprising and a lot of fun. But this has barely been the most fun I've had covering, you know, the team since I've joined Talking Chop for sure. And uh, but I will say that one of my favorite things has been that whole Tiger stuff, which has kind of made this thing, you know, both like really enjoyable because everyone was kind of getting in on it, but also because it was hysterically funny and the team was winning. So, yeah. 
Tiger Magic. I mean, <laughs> I was looking back on that, like just how crazy that got in April. And it wasn't like I'm not like it was all me. I mean, it was like all of all of Braves fans across the entire internet were were embracing it and bringing it on. So it was that was pretty cool. When when Scott's doing MLB Network radio interviews, um, <laughs> that's when we know we've we've crossed the Rubicon. And uh, that was that was crazy, man. We, my only regret, my only regret was uh, not. Uh, so as soon as I went on, Jim Bowden, who of course infamously legend. made up that uh, trade deadline, he like got got caught stealing someone else's info and then acted like he was hacked and all that. As soon as I heard I was on with him, I had to I had to take a breath and not uh, and not start laughing. But it it, it worked. Yeah, we we got through it. I think. Um... I mean, setting the table a little bit, unless it's come out in the last hour, we don't have first pitch times yet that I've seen. Um, no. But the Braves play Thursday and Friday in Atlanta. There is some reason to believe it's going to be an early game on Thursday, like a 5, 5.30 start because of the, t- of the TV time windows and the fact that the Dodgers are going to be playing a home game and they're not going to put the Dodgers at 5.30, I don't think. So I think it's going to be an early game Thursday, followed by Friday. Then they have Saturday off, which is always bizarre, a Saturday off day in a series followed by Sunday, Monday in St. Louis. And if necessary, again, if necessary next Wednesday, game five at SunTrust. So, yeah, because of, you mentioned the Dodgers. So I saw somebody pointed out that their uh, TV guide has two games on TBS, which is the national league series. I think it was Josh from uh 755 that there's a, there's a five o'clock and an eight thirty uh, slot. So that would presumably be the Braves being early just because I mean they you have there the are only two games and, that night. So yeah. they almost have to do that's like they're not gonna overlap when there are only yeah. two games on. So it almost has to be an early game for the Braves. They're not gonna start the Dodgers game at ten thirty. They're just not yeah. gonna do that. So And I would pre- and presumably and as far as Friday when all four play, you know the Yankees are gonna get prime time. And I can't imagine the Dodgers nationals with those two markets. So I would imagine maybe the Astros get stuck with like the early one because it's going to be Houston against either Oakland or Tampa, two pretty small TV Wolf. markets. Yeah, that's, um, that's not going yeah. to rate well. No, no. But they are the number one overall seed. So maybe uh, maybe the baseball will reward them with a little bit of a later start time and put the Braves first. Um, which wouldn't be super enjoyable, um, especially if you're trying to go for to the you. game at like at like for noon. You, for you, especially. Uh, yeah, yeah, no <laughs> kidding. At nine a.m. Yeah, nine no, a.m. But honestly, game. though, it is going to be kind of a concern if they're playing a five five thirty game on Thursday. Um, traffic's not going to be any fun in Atlanta. You know, all the jokes and, will be out. I would hope the that park. People will... Go ahead. Parking's going to be a disaster because a lot yeah. of those buildings around there that have those parking lots. They don't. Really I don't know until if five. Yeah, they yeah. won't. So that's going to be a challenge. Um, I would recommend Uber if you are going to the game on Thursday. Um, and Friday, I assume Friday will be a packed house. That's Friday. By the time you get to Friday, you're on the uh, the four game schedule. So there will be some staggered start times, and I'd imagine we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, Thursday, Friday, Atlanta. Hopefully, I mean, just to give Braves fans some credit, the attendance has been really good this year. It's been way up, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that there will not be the jokes about not selling out playoff games this time around. It's going to be rocking in there. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, be it better be. Yeah, I think it will be. This has been a, uh, an energizing team. I mean, locally I could certainly, I think Eric could back me up on this too, but um, locally there's been a lot more excitement for this team than there has been for a while about the Braves. In my opinion, you know, even last year, like I think Eric said, or maybe Scott said, or both of you guys said, it felt like, you know, 
we're happy to be here last year. This time around, people are talking World Series and they're talking realistically about making a run. And there's a, there's there's buzz now that there wasn't last year, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it's definitely been definitely been talked about more, and you know, without the surprise tone in their voice when you know, on TV and on radio, you know, it's like, oh, the Braves won. Wow, that's okay. That's crazy. If it, it, they almost talked about it like it was a fluke, but now this year, like, there's a lot of a lot of storylines about the team. You know, whether it be the rotation or in the, the lineup, there's a lot of exciting players. You know, the Braves had you know three, arguably four guys in the lineup who you know probably deserve some amount of awards love uh, down the line. Uh, so it's, you know, it's been a, an easy team to talk about. It's an easy team to like, and the team's been really good. So, you know, there's definitely been a lot more buzz around here. And I imagine that the, the, the playoff game is going to be really well attended. Although I'm, I, I'm kind of with Brad, I'm a little bit concerned, particularly about the parking situation, because I mean, there's some of the lots of some, some of the lots are fine, but some of the other ones, like, I'm not sure if the businesses are going to be so keen on just, you know, oh yeah, sure. People can go in early because it's a playoff game. No problem. At two, at two o'clock on a Thursday. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Unless we have anything else, it's time for predictions, I, I think. Unless anybody else has Ooh. final thoughts. Let's do it. I'm ready. All right, Eric. Eric, I'm giving you the honors. Yours first. It's going to be 3-1 Braves. And the best start of the series will come from my Canadian son, Mike Soroka. Unbiased pick from Eric. Um, oh, I, I know it's completely biased, and I, I, I'm ashamed of nothing. I actually—that's uh, the one thing I didn't ask anybody, and I should have said this before. Are we okay with Soroka being held to Game Three? I didn't love that. No, really. but what can you do? I mean, Eric, I, thoughts? Just, just the thought <laughs> of holding your best pitcher all year, considerably best pitcher all year, uh, to Game Three. Just, I'm a little worried about. But it, it, hey, it bugged me more that he can't pitch twice. Like that slams the door on him pitching twice in the series. He can't pitch twice. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how they've handled Mike that they were ever going to pitch him twice is kind of my feeling on it. Well, but, I mean, if you go one and five, that's regular well, rest. I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible. I just, I just don't think they would have. And it's I, – I don't – it's fine. I, I kind of get the road the home I road wasn't upset. Thing. It's just eh, yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. Now – seeding game one start to Dallas Keuchel, who's a lefty against this lineup. That's a little bit different for me, but I mean, you're certain faulty in day two in game two. So I guess that's fine. Uh, if it's me and if I want another, if it, you're not going to have Soroka as your starter in game one to be potentially available in game five, again, I'm just a little bit dubious that they would have actually done it. Um, yeah, maybe not. I, I would, I would rather have the righty <laughs> in, in faulty than Keuchel, but yeah, that's, you know, that's just me. It's interesting to me. We, we don't know for sure that's the order. That's the reporting that's been out there, but they have not announced that um, definitively. But all signs point to Sorokin game three because he, he pitched today. So he's not pitching game one, game one for sure, probably not game two either. So that's out there. And I should have mentioned it earlier, but since you brought up Soroka, I wanted to at least touch on it briefly. Again, I, I wasn't upset by it. I understand the rationale. I, I don't care at all about the home road. The home road split thing, I don't care about. I know he's been great on the road. I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm by myself on this. I just do not care about home road splits unless it's an extreme park like Coors or something weird, but the Braves have a pretty average atmosphere and, you know, obviously he has been good on the road, but I don't put too much stock into that. Maybe, maybe the Braves do, um, but I don't just candidly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ask me in a week. (laughs) Well, Well, I mean, honestly, like as much as Sherrick has been incredible, we've talked about that all season long. He's still effectively a rookie. Like he had thrown 30, 30 innings before this year in the majors, essentially. And you're throwing him out there in his first playoff start on the road in St. Louis in front of a bunch of crazies. 
like that's going to be a challenge. Like he might he might be great, and I think he's a composed, mature young man who can handle it. But that's a tough task for a young guy. Go on, go on the road in his first start in the playoffs. That's uh, it's it's actually kind of a weirdly, it's kind of a kind of an endorsement of him while also not being one. It's kind of strange. There's a lot going on with him going in game three instead of game one and game two. But yeah. you know, there's some there's some stones to have him out there on the road in game in his first start. So that's 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 probably a positive thing, all things considered. Yeah. Well, um, all right, we'll Scott. See. What yeah. you got? Mm. Ooh, so I'm going to take the Braves in five. Um, I think Jack Flaherty is going to be just continue to be a monster and kind of carry them uh, to the five game series. But I think the Braves ultimately went out. Um, I will take Ozzy Albies as my NLDS MVP. That's not. Yeah, that, that, that sounds that sounds right. Go ahead, Eric. If there was a bunch of lefty pitchers, I'd be picking Ozzy's. However, yeah. uh, just for just just for the memes, and because I don't think Freddie is going to be completely healthy, oddly enough, I think that, that it's going to be Nick Barkakis. And if that's the case, oh, we're never going to hear the end of it. And it's <laughs> I mean, hysterical. I thought you were going to say Freddie, and that I, I I do think that Freddie, even at eighty percent health, could have a, could have a big series in this spot. Um, one caveat: I think I read or at least did the math on this. Flaherty isn't going to pitch till game two, is he? Correct. Because they have Mick, they right. have Miles Michaelis probably Michaelis I should yeah. say going in one, mm-hmm. so maybe we yeah, don't just... maybe we only see Flaherty once. That that the hope would be you only see him once and you get the series over in four. Yeah. Oh, the... absolutely. Yeah. I want to do the math there. Um, okay. I. Ooh, I kind of want to pick a sweep. I'm not going to do it. Um, Braves in four. Uh, my reputation precedes me as Mister Skeptical, but uh, I'm pretty confident in the Braves in this series. I think, uh, you know, the betting line will probably be somewhere in, like, Braves minus 180-something range, which means less than two-thirds. I think the Braves win the series, like, 75% of the time. I'm pretty confident about this matchup. Um, yeah. Basically, the it. only guy, that, and Eric, Eric alluded to this, only, really the only guy that has a negative split towards righties is Ozzy. Basically, that's going to be playing every day in the series. Everybody else is essentially either even or strongly favoring facing right-handed pitching. I think the Braves are going to hit in the series. And the pitching, I'm not fully excited about, particularly Keuchel and Fulte. I don't really trust. It's it's matchup for Keuchel and it's Fulte. Just, I have some trust issues with, with Fulte in general. But I think they'll, they'll do enough with the bats to take the first two at home. And, uh, yeah, maybe they lose game three. But I think they're going to beat Flaherty. How about that, Scott? I would happily let them beat Flaherty. I, like, how wonderful would it be? I was talking to a friend about this. How wonderful would it be for the Braves, after all these years of misery in the playoffs, to sweep the cards, like 3-0 sweep, every game is decided by I four or five it. runs, minimal, I mean, minimal stress. Wouldn't that be wonderful not to just sit there and slowly die as you watch every game? I mean, you you know me yeah, well. You guys, you, guys, you guys both know me well. I I was closer to picking a sweep than picking five, and that – does not come lightly from me. I am not the flag waving guy. Um, they're just better, I think. And even with my general apprehension, I think I'm leaning more towards three than five. So that's fair. Take, I would take from, that, see take from it. that what you will. Yep. If Ozzy's I am known your, for my overconfidence. If so. Ozzy's the guy you're a little concerned about running against righties, you're doing just fine. So you know. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna be fine. It's you know, and again, Marquegas and Joyce. You know they have they're both they're both flawed players, but if you if if you're asking them to play 
against right-handed pitching every day. That's yep. pretty favorable. For Third, uh, I was just looking it up. So uh, this year against righties, Freddie Freeman, 154 WRC+. plus. Josh Donaldson was second at 135. And third was Matt Joyce at 128. Matt Joyce has hit right-handed pitching for a decade plus. It's just what he yeah. does. Marquecas, too, by the way, hits right-handed pitching. He just does. Um, yep. So, yeah. We've probably done enough, I think. Any uh, parting thoughts, gentlemen, on the series? I'm looking forward to playoff baseball and a curse-breaking win. 18 years is going to be ending. I'm with the, the, you. I'm calling it. Yeah. We're all calling it. So I did, yep, too. Yep, okay. yep. Oh, before we go, Uh-oh. Uh, Dodgers Nationals, quickly, who wins? How many games? Are we assuming Nationals? I'm not. I mean, I think the Nationals are. But, okay, Dodgers versus Wild Card. What are we thinking? Uh, Dodgers in four, three, four. It's D- Dodgers in four if it's the Nationals. Dodgers in three if it's three not. Three the Brewers. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the Dodgers, Dodgers-Brewers is as lopsided as it can get in the National League playoffs. Yeah, like the, the Brewers, the Brewers are the team that I wanted the Braves to play because they are so banged up, um, and the Dodgers are, spoiler alert, the best team in the National League. Um, but if so. the Brewers beat the Nationals, I'm going to be cackling laughing. Oh, uh, that'll be great! I'm rooting for the Brewers. I mean, oh, honestly, me if, if you're yeah. if you're a Braves fan, you you want the Brewers to to keep it going and somehow beat the Dodgers. That that mm-hmm. isn't likely, I don't think. But uh, that's the ideal scenario for the Braves is uh, play the Cardinals and the Brewers. So. And then, all right, so then shifting American League, Twins against Yankees in a battle of who can hit 20 home runs first. Uh, who you guys got? Uh, Yankees. I don't like it, though. Yeah, Yankees, same. Probably in four. And, and Astros, then, Astros against everyone. So Yeah, I'll take <laughs> Astros. And I'll say four against either Oakland or Tampa, personally. Yeah, um, Astros. I'm picking the Astros to win the World Series. So whichever route we want to take them to get there. That'd be the team I would pick to win the World Series. Hopefully, they'll be playing the Braves for the World Series. I think the Astros will lose two games in the American League playoffs. Period. That would—I mean—that—that's a little bit more aggressive than I would be because baseball things happen. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. They're awesome. So, I mean, think about the, what the Astros have. Without going too deep into this, their starting trio of pitchers is Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Zach Greinke, and they have an incredible offense. Like, what do you what do you what do you even do with that? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, they feel like they feel like the heaviest World Series favorites going into the playoffs that I can I mean maybe Boston last year just as dominant as they were too, but at least over the last decade this Houston team feels like uh, you know, more powerful than most of the others. I mean, they're the only reason why they're not like prohibitive World Series favorites betting-wise is because of the Dodgers. Cuz the Dodgers are uh a big favorite to win the National League. So, just clear like the way this stuff usually works is that the books trust the Yankees and a couple of other teams in the American League more. So they're basically saying the Dodgers have an easier path. I'm not saying that for Braves fans. I understand. But the depth of the American League is considered to be better. Like there are more challengers in the American League to the Astros than there's than there are than there are considered sure. to be for the for the uh, Dodgers. Because sure. and by the way, that's why the Braves have the fourth best World Series odds because they do. Look at all the books. The Braves have the, have the fourth best odds because, at least in part, because you have three teams with you know near 100 wins in the American League, but they have to play each other. So, yeah. Yep. Nope. You're right. All right. And, and the then Bra- one last the Braves so have Astros, a clear path. Yeah. So Astros for Brad. Uh, Eric, who are you picking for the World Series? Braves. No. Sorry. Astros. Braves. Uh, 
And that's where the Rays run ends, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're, we're all rooting. By, by the way, before anybody says anything, we're all rooting for the Braves to win the World Series. No one's not rooting for the Braves to win the World Series. It, it's, it's not just... going to stop. You saying that's not going to stop those people from saying it. So. I understand. I'm just, I'm just saying we're, not, we're, just, we're, we're picking with our brains, not our hearts at this moment. Yeah, don't yell so, at us. Yeah. Um, man, I really hope the Brewers beat the Nationals. I really hope that happens. I will go scorched earth on Twitter for a good. Well, the Nats just won eight in a row to finish the season. Yeah, like yeah. it would be perfect Nationals, honestly, for them to go eight eight no to win to down the stretch and then lose in, in the one game playoff. That would be peak Nationals in every way. So, and I've always wanted someone to be victimized by the uh, one game playoff in the way that the Braves were the first year of the one game playoff when they had a six game lead in the wild card and had to play a one game playoff. The Nationals have a <sighs> yeah. four game lead this time around. I was at that game, and uh, it was against the Cardinals. Me too. Which uh, shouts yeah, to the NFL yeah. fly. But yeah, I, I, I hope this just it's along with Scott. I just want an easy series, and then it's you know over and done with, and then we can start talking about you know actual things rather than so we can all talk the, about it every night too. That'd be that'd be fun. Um, oh yeah, I guess people, we've said this a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, but the plan on the podcast is for at least two of us to be talking after every game. So at some point. Thursday night after the game, we'll have a podcast. At some point Friday night after the game, we'll have a podcast. At um, some point Sunday night after the game, we'll have a podcast. And uh, after that, we'll see. But that's the plan. And uh, barring some terrible weirdness, we'll be here. I'm not sure if it's going to be me on every podcast. If Maybe I'll have something that I can't do. It'll be Eric and Scott, and we'll see what happens. But that's the plan. Some permutation of us three will be around. Yes. Yeah, yes. and uh, Scott, no sleep for you. Um, definitely don't sleep for us, but uh, you're the late night guru, so plug I'll in. be around. Yeah, at least they're not playing the Dodgers. That's like part of the worst part, I'm sure. Is the last couple of years they, or you know, last year and in 2013 they had to play the Dodgers. So it's one thing to lose, but not lose until like midnight Eastern for you guys must not have been a lot of fun. And then go to work the next day. Yeah, a couple of those podcasts last year, I think you can probably hear me uh, slowly dying at like 1:30 <laughs> Eastern. When they it wasn't slow for me. I was actually just dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. For my sleep cycle, I would appreciate some afternoon, early evening games. Like I know traffic will be a nightmare on Thursday, but I, I will not be opposed to a five five thirty start because that means we're recording a podcast at like nine thirty or ten. That's that'd be nice. But yeah, regardless, we'll have some fun over the next couple of weeks, and hopefully even beyond that. I look forward to recording several podcasts, wink wink, in the next couple of weeks. So let's do a whole bunch of podcasts. I would be happy to, to I, do a whole I, bunch. I want 11. I want at least 11. 11. At least 11. At least podcasts. 11. Yes. 11 happy podcasts. Yes. That would be fun. Uh, what if the Braves won just won 11 in a row and won the World Series? <laughs> <laughs> I would be okay with it. We can dream. I, I'll, um, I'll tattoo, I'll tattoo 11, 11 and 0 on my shoulder. You heard it here first, folks. 11 yep. and 0 gets a tattoo yep. for Eric. Yeah, with a big Braves logo right above it. I won't care. Eric, there's there's microphones running when you're talking right now. Just want to I'm let totally, you know that. I'm, I'm, you, you think I honestly care Like if that happens? 11-0, okay. Um, God, that would be great. And we'll have to live stream that and do all the fun stuff associated with Absolutely. what happens. All right, boys. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Um, please follow Scott at scottcolin 55 Please follow Eric at Leprechaun. Follow the site at Talking Chop. Follow me if you want Atlanta Hawks talk, Sun Braves talk at BT Roland. Subscribe to this podcast. Tell a friend about this podcast. Rate and review this podcast. And uh, let's have some fun in the playoffs together. We'll see everybody at the very latest Thursday evening.